Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today we have a real estate investor and founder of Formosa Investing. This is Jim Lee. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Absolute pleasure. I'm going to get uh, started here with the same way I start my podcast every single time, which is a little bit of a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sure. So um, I graduated from UCLA with an economics degree back in 2010, which for most people, they know about this 2008 subprime mortgage crash, followed by the 2010 European debt crisis. Um, so it was really difficult for me to find a job out of college, was jobless for a, a year, got really good at uh, selling myself, go th went through hundreds of interviews and eventually landed myself uh, a role as an inside sales rep working at LoopNet, CoStar. Now, for those that don't know what LoopNet is, it's basically Zillow for commercial real estate. And because of that job, I was able to learn the importance of having multiple stream of income by talking to real estate investors, lenders, real estate agents uh, on a daily basis. And, um, that's when I started to acquire real estate. Uh, my first deal was a two bedroom, one bathroom condo, uh, got that additional, uh, pass stream of passive income was hooked and never looked back since then. Um, I transitioned, eventually I transitioned from being a W2 employee to, uh, uh getting my real estate license, uh, and, being become a realtor to transition to become an entrepreneur and and that uh, also led to me to become a syndicator as a as an investor since the beginning so that's pretty much the uh, uh overall view of the my journey makes sense so I, I didn't realize you were licensed as well so that's pretty good yeah yeah it's um i got my license on the side while while i was well, I was still a W-2 employee just to see if I can find my own deal after acquiring that first two-bedroom, one-bathroom condo. Right. That makes sense. So it must have been, uh, you know, in a way, it must have been kind of uh, exciting and it must have uh, come with some, uh, you know, some hesitation from leaving your job to doing something different. Because let's be honest, even with a realtor's license, you're still technically self-employed. It's still commission-based. You're still reliant on what you do and not a regular paycheck. So how is yeah. that? Like, how, how did you handle that? Like, was it an easy choice for you or did you have some thought and, you know, and a hesitation? Yeah. So um, for me, it was, it was getting there. It was getting, it was reaching, you know, the breaking point. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what happened was, uh, you know, I, I didn't just work as an inside sales at LoopNet. I worked at two other companies, uh, Living Social and Service, which is another uh, Living Social is like Groupon. Um, Service is like uh, home service on demand as an inside sales rep. So throughout these years, I've always wanted to, you know, uh, start my own thing and uh, build my own career, you know, because I <clears throat> put in my, you know, time and effort to build LoopNet to help, you know, I worked my butt off because I didn't want to go back to being jobless for a year, for over a year. And so um, I took that job really serious and I ended up winning a 50,000 uh, bonus incentive from working really hard. And eventually I just got laid off because CoStar acquired us, you know, a bigger com corporation takes over and they kind of just laid everybody off from LoopNet. And that's when I realized, look, like I can't just rely on, having a salary, I got to create my own passive income, you know, and, and 
it's better to just rely on yourself than others, right? Uh, and and that's when I realized, okay, instead of always focus on all my time and energy on building someone else's business, why not build my own? It's kind of the same concept as as a real estate investor. You tell yourself, why would I continue to be a tenant to pay rent when I can build my own equity? Same concept, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. And I agree with you on that. I mean, like, I, I realize that, like, in terms of rentals, a lot of people have to start there. The problem isn't where people start, it's where they finish. And there's too many people that get distracted and don't allow themselves the ability or, you know, put in the effort or sacrifice to eventually accumulate some form of investment. And that's kind of sad. So it's kind of good that you were able to, uh, you know, basically bridge all this together and do something. So, and yeah, like, I, I totally understand the whole point that once you get laid off, I mean, let's, let's be honest, you get laid off, feels like a freaking bummer, right? Like who the heck, <laughs> you know, wants to uh, go through that again. So I, you know, good for you for taking the, uh, you know, the step to uh, get out there and do something different. Yeah. I think it's it, the, it's always, always, uh, always put, always put yourself in a position where, you know, um, that you're, you, you want to get comfortable being uncomfortable right and i think that's that's a lot of uh, that's where i've been a lot of times when i get laid off and i think about i don't want to be i don't want to be in this spot um but but then at the same time if if i don't want to be in this spot i have to also get comfortable doing things that i'm not comfortable with which is you know putting myself out there you know as an inside sales rep I always view uh, being a realtor as a challenge to me as well, because that's all outside sales. I, I can stay in the office, make dials all day long and not have to worry about facing uh, meeting people face to face. And that's always been a fear that I, 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 I needed to overcome uh, this my entire life until I became a syndicator. That's when I started to get more comfortable because it's all about building relationships, right? Putting yourself out there and meeting people and, and showing people that, you know, this is, you're, you're in this uh, and you're taking this as a serious business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's get into that. Like you became a syndicator, like explain what a syndicator is and uh, how you got into that. Yeah, sure. So um, I got into, uh, well, first of all, let's, just, let's explain what syndication is. Uh, it's a partnership between investors who pull their resources into one single investment. Um, this allows you to invest in multi-million dollars uh, properties like multifamily, which is the asset class I'm in, or any commercial real estate buildings. Um, syndication eliminates much of that risk while sharing the upside. The property generates an income. Um, that income will be split amongst all the investors. And so that's, it creates a win-win situation for both the operator, the lease sponsor, and the um, investors. Right, right. So how did you come across that? Because I mean, I'm sure it's not like you put up a Kijiji ad or something like that or Craigslist ad and say, hey, you know, looking to syndicate and here I am. <laughs> right. So um so I did the realist realtor for two years. I found out that I wasn't a good fit and I utilized the time during lockdown as a realtor. My hands were tight, um, couldn't host any open house, couldn't find leads. So I decided to pivot and figure out, uh, you know, ways of making money uh, through real estate besides just being a realtor. And that's when I came one of my investors introduced me to this show called the real estate guy radio show. Uh, run by you know uh, co-hosts uh, Robert Holmes and 
Russell Gray from Texas, and uh, they religiously pitch about syndication on pretty much every single episode. Um, so that's when I started to explore and discover about syndication. And they they talk about doing bigger deals. It's easier to scale. It it was to me. It was at that time. I I, I didn't understand what what they mean by that. But then I realized it was I was just you know I I, I I lack education. You just need to be a little bit of financially educated to kind of understand how everything works. And um, that's how I started to dig deeper. Started to put myself out there. As soon as we opened back up, I went out to network th with these guys, found a business partner, and eventually um, was able to syndicate my first deal last year. Good for you. Uh, so yeah, so it started last year, <laughs> and. Um, how far, like uh, you said, your first deal. So clearly you're going to have more than one. Yeah. So I just finished syndicating my second deal. Uh, my first deal is in Orlando, Florida, a hundred plus units, apartment building, uh, classy Valley ad built in 1970s. Uh, my second deal is pretty similar in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, 400 unit apartment building, a hundred uh, portfolio of two complex, 142 and 242. And uh, same, 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 pretty much uh, same um, built uh, 1970s Valley ad uh, classy apartment building. Right, right, right. So now with that being said, now like, okay, so that's good. Like you obviously you're, uh, you got lots of partners in this. That's what a syndication is. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of that, like that's going to be quite a hefty, uh, um, you know, you know, it's, it's quite a hefty bill for a lack of better description. Right, which is awesome. I mean, it's great that it can be done now. How how do you manage and uh, mitigate risks in this situation? Well, we manage we uh, manage and mitigate risks by having multiple partners on board. Right, I think it's a when when you talk about syndication, it's it's a it's a team collected effort. Right, um, you need investors, you need agents, you need lenders, you need like a whole team, property managers, uh, key principals, loan guarantors. You know all those. Every everybody has a role in in, in syndication, and I feel like uh, without one piece of the com uh, puzzle, you're, it's it's gonna fall apart, right? And and so it's really important to establish these uh, relationships over time. Um, you know get to know people and also get them to like you, trust you, and eventually be able to form a team that your mission and values are aligned. And so to mitigate this risk, I think it's just, you know, finding people that you can really trust. I know it's, I'm just beating, you know, I'm just, I sound like a broken record. I'm pretty sure you guys heard of get people to know, like, and trust you. Um, yeah, that's the real but, estate game, right? Like that, that's, that's the whole theory and premise on a, on an agent level. So this is pretty much the way I'm looking at it is it's sort of like a bigger scale of uh, real estate sales. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's usually how I, I look at how I'm able to mitigate risk is to find these teams that I can trust. Then I can give you an example of what I'm talking about, if you like. Yeah, um, for sure. So in my first deal, um, we had to have a, cap a capital call. Um, and it's not, <laughs> it's not ideal, but because of the interest rate, because of, you know, the environment we're in, um, <clears throat> We actually renovated these apartment buildings, like one third of it. Like the lead sponsor, he brought his whole construction crew over to renovate these apartments, right? We renovated 70 units out of 200 in less than six months. Wow. Now that's really fast. 
However, however, our marketing didn't catch up. We're at eighty percent occupancy rate because we're going through you know these uh, you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, and change of ownership. There's just a lot of turnovers and there's hundreds of work orders backed up. So. Because of that reason, 80% occupancy rate, where it's eating our reserves at this moment, you know, with the rising interest rate. Uh, we needed to have capital call. The lease sponsor decides to, uh, you know, have the capital call amongst the GP, the general partners, instead of putting the pressure on our investors, limited partner. And I thought that was, br- that, that, that was good for him to do something like that. Um, because at the end of the day, we have to look out the best interest for our investors, right? And so... <clears throat> When, they, when we had that capital call uh, a week, two weeks later, uh, our lender was able to uh, release more reserves for us. So we didn't need to uh, cough up more money. So that's that's a good example of, you know, finding people that you, you, you can trust. Right. And it's so it's so it's so important for me to be able to partner with someone like this uh, to be able to set examples for my future deals and how, what kind of expectation I can expect from other partnering with other syndicator. <clears throat> Right, which uh, you brought up a good point in that, uh, you know, because you said there's uh, the lead capital and then there's the GPs, right? Um, Mm -hmm. What are the differences? Like, how does the structure work? I mean, yeah, because I mean, like, because when I hear syndication, I I, this is what goes through my head, Mm -hmm. right? And it's one of those things where I hear syndication where you know, as an example, I'm going to use a five people get together and buy a property together. So the way I look at it is that that's five equal partners, or depending on the amount you put in. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's the difference? Like who would be how who would be the lead and who's considered GP and like get into the structure there if you don't. Mind. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so the the way how you explained it. Right. That's more of a, a JV deal, a joint venture deal. Correct. Joint venture is like small, intimate groups, you know, basically your friends and family. And, um, you know, it's typically I think it's less than five people. I don't I don't know. I don't count me on that. But, you know, uh, with the problem with JV deals that most people don't understand is that, you know, if you can't just passively invest into a JV deal, even though a lot of people get away with that because they just haven't been caught, um, everybody on the team must have a role in, uh, uh, in a JV deal. Um, whereas syndication, you can um, 100% passively invest into a deal um, and, and you'll be fine without having a role. Right. You can just be a 100 percent passive investor. And but you do have to comply with the securities laws. Right. Right. We have something called the 506B versus 506C. 506B race is basically just, you know, you can you have to have a pre uh, existing relationship with this investor in order for you to be able to take their money. Um and uh, but they don't have any requirements. You just cannot advertise this deal, right, on social media or anything like that. Five hundred six C, however, you can advertise it everywhere on social media. Put it, you know, um, put it on Google, whatever. But you can only raise money from accredited investors. Now, to be qualified to be accredited investors, you need to have a net worth of one million dollars, or make two hundred thousand dollars per year for the past two years. So, so, you know, so those are the two different type of raises. Um, typically to start off, like my first two deals, it's a 506B race because most people, most of my investors are family and friends. It takes right. time for me to build that trust to, you know, have a track record to show for investors to, you know, invest in my deals. 
Absolutely. Okay. So that that's the thing, right? So like, it's almost like a real estate investment trust fund. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. And, and, that, and you're right about the joint ventures being more uh, connected and uh, versus, yeah. Cause a lot of times people want to get into this stuff and they want to be quote unquote passive, as you would say, but a lot of struct, you know, a lot of times it's not really passive as uh, it sounds. Or in this case here, so it's sort of like an investing in a stock, but it's not a stock. It's uh, still a real estate portfolio. But uh, I guess in that case, someone like you or would be the one that, you know. So for you, it would not be passive because you're actively involved. That lead, uh, that lead uh, you know, person is also actively involved. So it's not really passive for that person. But people investing into the fund will actually have no uh, connection to it. Yeah, absolutely. So they they um when you invest passively, you don't deal with the operation. Um, you just get a monthly newsletter, basically giving you an update of what's going on with the performance of the asset. You know how how are we managing the risk and how are we uh, dealing with the problems, ongoing issues, like this um uh, this deal that I was telling you about um how our marketing has to catch up. The, the main problem was our property manager, right? The, right. We hired, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Resprop. They have $2 billion asset under management across the whole nation. And so they're huge. They, they're very well known in the syndication business space. And so we hired them, but they didn't have any local presence for Orlando, Florida. They just started it. And so they didn't have great relationship built with the vendors. So our work orders was backed up and our marketing wasn't catch up so we had to fire the property management company and that kind of updates you know we do send out to our investors on, on the weekly uh, not weekly uh, monthly basis right right you know just to kind of inform them uh but they don't get involved with they, they do have voting rights but they don't get involved with making decisions when to refi when to sell the property and so forth gotcha yeah, so that makes sense there. And, and, and that's the thing, right? Vendors are always a uh, source of pain for anybody in the business, let's be honest, right? Like, I mean, there's uh, really, really good vendors out there. And then there's really, really bad vendors out there. And there's some vendors that are good, but they're very hyper-local. And when you take them out of that hyper-local, they tend to uh, be reaching too far, for lack of better description. So that, that makes sense. I get that point. So... In total, from what I heard, you have about, uh, you know, 400 unit and then 100 units. So that's about 500 units total. Yeah, roughly. What's the uh, average uh, length of an investment? Like if I just say I want to be an investor and I got uh, 200 grand for you, um, how long am I locked in for? Typically, we project five years <clears throat> and everything I'm telling you, it's very conservative measure. So our projection is 8% pref cash on cash return plus uh, 100% 2x uh, equity multiple at the end of five years. So if you invest 100,000, you can expect 200,000 back once we sell the property at the end of the whole cycle, five years down the road. On top of that, you get 8% passive income, 8% of 100,000, 8,000. So you can roughly get you know, a 28% 20, a annualized return if you include the sale at the very end uh, on a yearly basis. And these are pretty conservative. The reason why I say that is because our cash on cash return can go up to 10, 12%. Um, also, <clears throat> um, 
I've seen deals where they sell in year two, year three, and they, you know, as soon as we hit that equity multiple that we project 2x, we're going to sell it, you know, um, two years, three years, four years. But we project five years because it does take time to renovate these units. And it does take time for the property to appreciate and to, you know, it also depends on the market, right? When yeah. the market is hot, when you have a deal that you just cannot pass on, then we're just going to take it. So it really depends. But it's a five-year hold, um, you know, 2x equity multiple. It can go up to 3x, but I'm not over-promising. We like to, you know, under-promise and over-deliver. Right, right. Now, obviously, the last year, the interest rates have been going up, 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 up. Mm -hmm. And um, clearly, that's going to be uh, affecting you. How does that affect your cash flow overall? Oh, it has. And that's why our first deal isn't performing. We were not able to make distribution, right? And and that's something that you, you great question you ask. Because uh, when I say 8% cash on cash return, you're, you're not going to see anything coming in the first year, typically. Because um, it takes at least three to six months for the asset to stabilize, right? Because of change of ownership, turnover rates, and all that stuff for marketing to catch up. So um, our first deal, we're nowhere making distribution uh, just because, again, marketing hasn't catch up. But our second deal, we're at 97% occupancy rate. So we made distribution six months into the deal, and which is good. And, and, and the beauty about syndication, when I say 8% pref, uh, pref means that you know it does accumulate so for example if we didn't pay you out on the first year it's going to accumulate a plus this the following year and then plus the following year and until we either have a capital event like a refi or sell the property that's when you'll get that big chunk of your accumulated preferred return to you and you get right. paid before the gp gets paid and that's what preferred return means gotcha now which brings up another point here is that with um like you said the second the one of them is that 97 percent. so obviously there's a certain percentage that has to be occupied to break even now i'm sure you're going to need a certain percentage because you're going to need a buffer so including break even you need that buffer in case things happen and then there's a certain point that brings in return what are those numbers like where's the break even typically i know it's going to vary based on project because so certain projects you're paying more per square foot certain ones you're paying lower so that's going to go up and down but i'm looking for just that general average typical uh thing that you know maybe what you're targeting not necessarily what you're getting i would say 90 percent. that would be a good yeah 90 percent would be a good good a good good number because typically when 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 as a syndicator when we acquire like stability right stable asset where people just want to cash flow this uh as soon as we acquire the property on, on day one they typically look for something that's uh, uh anything that's above 92 percent like in the 90 range uh where it's 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 more um like they're 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 um investing for the fixed investment uh return Correct. rather than the uh, the upside right 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 now I'm willing to bet when the interest rates were lower, that uh, break even was probably around the eighty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah, so there's a good fluctuation there, obviously, and mm -hmm. and if interest rates go up even more, well, the good thing is once you got your financing, it's pretty much locked until mm -hmm. renewal. Right. So that's a good part. Um. Mm -hmm. well, so that being said, okay, so it's above ninety to get uh you know into profits. Now, 
there's obviously a difference here. Like, look, like you said, there's still, you're still working on closing and stuff like that. And so it's going to be different than typical residential uh, real estate because the residential real estate that you normally buy, like a single family home or a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, because those are usually considered, you know, residential. Those ones there, you close, you pretty much get keys the next day. You're done. Once you close and get your keys, you're done. And that's really that simple. Now, when you get into commercial, obviously there's a fluctuation there and things don't always work that way. It's not usually a 30 day closing. You don't offer some on something and get it right away. And financing isn't done within five days. So explain the process of, you know, when you find like finding the property versus putting in the offer, um, what are the typical conditions? How long does it take for the, for acceptance and for, uh, conditions to be fulfilled versus when it actually closes, you get keys, possession, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's pretty straightforward. I, I would say you just take the residential and double the amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're looking at a 30 day closing, it's typically, it typically runs 60 days for real estate sometimes it might take even longer because of due diligence period right there, there could be so many things that that pop up especially with a hundred plus unit apartment building that you you have to be you have to look out for it. and and sure it's money making opportunity if you can spot these value add uh components that you can definitely you can just acquire and 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 add amenities or change the operation if you know it's not being run correctly these are the things that you want to look for but at the end of the day um due diligence is is the the key component to 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 the success of your deal because uh when we took over this project again i'll, I'll go back to my example uh, we had hundreds of work orders backed up, but none of us were informed about that. Uh, and and the, the seller, he runs this property from a different country. And so you can already know that, you know, he's not managing correctly. And but we weren't informed that there was that there were that money uh, work orders backed up. And so the, the, those, that's the due diligence I'm talking about. You have to be very detailed, very clear on what you're getting yourself into. Um, not just not just going over the units by units like the walkthrough, but you have to look at the numbers and and, and really dig deep. And so that process, uh, the 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 first deal, it took us I think three months to close, uh, to go through the due diligence to, to file for extension. Um, but um, typically, it starts with the letters of intent. You know, um, that's basically your purchase uh, contract. You send you you send that out initially and then you start to negotiate and then you do your due diligence and you go through this whole you know inspection you know uh getting getting the loans and and getting everything uh putting up the package together putting up a business plan right you have to be able to sell to the lender why this is going to this is going to work long term because again it's a partnership Right. You have to be able to <clears throat> partner with your lender in a long term basis. And also, I think the important part is also bring this property to the property manager that you're going to be working with. Right. Because you want to be able to make sure that this property manager is able to fulfill uh, your needs and hit your business business plan. Like, you know, you have to make sure that your mission and value are, are aligned. And that's the mistake that we, we made. You know, we just thought that because we. Restprop is such a huge property management company; they can't screw up. 
but the the problem is they just didn't have that local presence <clears throat> and and that was our fault for not digging deeper to for not thinking through and 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 doing the due diligence so i think uh that's pretty much the process you know you just have to um put put everything in in in, in perspective and sometimes it, it does take longer you just have to file extension there you go right so and, and there, there there's many differences right there from residential like residential is way easier than all that right there's a lot of less things to think about um and you know like look when you when you get residential it's just a home inspection you get a home inspector you walk in usually takes an hour two hours and then uh you know what's wrong you either take it you don't take it and, you know you offer you ask for cash back if there's a real problem or whatever or you get the uh, owner to fix it and you move on it's really that simple mm -hmm. financing is uh based on your own income where uh commercial is not based on your income but really the performance of the property is very important and uh yeah so there's great differences there and like you said there's a lot of due diligence there and there's a lot of learning experiences there like you said like you've also illustrated the importance of having local people you know as vendors versus you know because sometimes just because you know someone and you're used to using someone doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right person for the next project yeah so, i cannot agree more that was well said thank you <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said you had the opera you know, i mean you obviously all see other level like english you obviously saw the uh the uh the uh, like the value of real estate investing um what made you decide to get into syndication over just buying multiple uh single family homes or condos or anything like that yeah Ask some great questions. So uh, this is something that I definitely want to share, and it's um, it's the scalability, right? It's uh, you can build a healthy real estate portfolio by buying these single-family resident and continue to acquire until you run out of time and manager um, time and money, or even loans, right? You know, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and they 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 can only loan you ten houses at the end of the day. So with multifamily, you can scale it to millions of dollars of wealth if you just focus on appreciation alone. It builds wealth much faster. Not only that, but you're also you're also able to attract more sophisticated people. You know, high, higher caliber people like real estate agents, top real estate agents, lenders, property managers, etc. To to work with you on that. Um, when you talk about scalability, you can look at it so many different ways too. Like, if you manage a hundred plus unit apartment building, you can hire an on-site manager to just kind of oversee your maintenance and making sure the property is well kept, right? Whereas, like, uh, if you if you own like a hundred different single family <laughs> residents, you can't just hire one man, on site manager to manage everything, right? And uh, also, like, think about the roofs, right? Like, if you have one hundred plus unit apartment building, you're under four roofs. Whereas, like, if you have a hundred houses, you have four hundred roofs to deal with to, True. for maintenance. So the scalability, it's just a lot easier to scale. Um, that's why I got into multifamily. Um, but on top of that, you know, the typical leverage cash flow um affordability issues that we're going through there's there's a huge demand you know with house with with you know interest rates rising it's going to push more people to rent when we're already a renters nation right um and then on top of all of that you know the caviar is the tax advantage you know every yeah. time you refinance you take money out that's not tax depreciation 
tax write off, tax deductible mortgage interest rate, and you know, so it's no matter how you look at it, I think it's just it's much better. <laughs> than, yeah, for sure, right? Like even cost per square foot when you buy apartment buildings. Sure, like you can buy a 320 uh, unit apartment building, and that'll probably run you. Well, depending where you are, it can run you anywhere from 10 million to 50 million or more. Mm -hmm. But usually, typically, typically average, you're gonna if you're looking at a condo unit that you're buying, just say five hundred thousand dollars per condo unit. A uh, when you get into the multi-residential, and correct me if I'm wrong, that cost per square inch tends to be around the two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand. So it's almost like a fifty percent discount. The only difference is, and again, it's actually I mean even better example. You're comparing it to retail. The more volume you buy, the cheaper you're getting, right? So if you order a uh, thousand, uh, just say cell phones to sell, you're in the cell phone business. Buying a thousand is going to be cheaper than buying ten. So. When you're getting in the multifamily, it's kind of the same thing. You're buying 320 units. That cost per square footage is going to be much lower compared to buying one condo unit or two condo units. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so there's an advantage of that. But the key thing is you have to get the whole lump sum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, again, going back to what, what I talked about, it's a team collected effort. Yeah. Sure, you can do everything on your own. It'll take a lot of time. But it's just easier when you can just partner with people that you trust and, uh, you know, add value, bring in the skill set that other people is missing, complement each other's skill set. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to get into another part of the uh, in terms of the investment. Like I'm in Canada in Toronto. We have something that's called an RRSP and mm -hmm. mutual funds and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's certain companies that uh, we can invest to in like a REIT where we're allowed to use those as our uh, investment so you know to get money because i'll give you an example it's not not everybody has 100 200 grand sitting in the bank but they might have it in their investments i think in the states it would be like a 401k or a roth is going to be the comparable i'm not sure which one's which because i'm getting confused between them but you know i think you get in the point of where i'm going with it mm -hmm. um are those are you able to use those funds towards the investment absolutely uh, we take um roth ira uh, 401k as as an investment and you can invest invest uh, directly through your retirement account and uh, receive the cash flow go, go, going into your retirement account so everything is is we can we can make that happen makes sense so now here for example if you use these rsps or whatever which is the same thing the profits have to go back into the fund it's not a cash payment is it the same in the in the states or do yes. they actually get yeah okay that's what i thought mm -hmm. so that's interesting I, I that was something i never thought of before until kind of it came up um yeah. I, I didn't even realize that i had to go back in so it was just something i learned recently so i'm kind of fascinated by that mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. yeah so from there on yet you you're in two projects now where do you see yourself going like what's your future look like or in your mind at least so right now, my role as a syndicator, uh, I'm not the lead sponsor. I just my role is just to raise capital uh, as an investor relation marketing. Uh, eventually, I want to be able to raise enough capital that I have more capital than deals. And then I want to be able to transition down five years down the road once I exit a couple of deals that now that I have track record, I'm able to and I'm also in the industry in the game for five years now and be able to build relationship that I want to be able to transition from uh, 
having so much capital that I can just become my own operator, you know, be the lease sponsor. And I think at that time, that's when I'll be able to build substantial uh, uh, enough of a relationship where I, I, I will just have that deal flow. Right, right. That makes sense. Now, I'm a proponent, like a big fan of buy and hold, right? Like if, if I had my dream way and my and, and the perfect world, I would have a bunch of properties that would basically survive past my death because I would never sell. Mm-hmm. Now, that is my dream. That is my thought, not always reality. Now, my question to you is, Going forward, do you see yourself getting in any form of investment where you plan to hold on and as an, as a long-term, you know, a long-term piece of your portfolio where you just kind of keep it and just leave it and let it accumulate or is everything sort of have the uh, expiration date? Yeah, it just depends on the stage, you know, what your preference is. And I can tell you a little bit about my stage. What I'm going through is since I'm going, I'm building myself up right now, I just started it. It's difficult for me to even imagine buying everything and hold it forever. Of course, that's 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 the best philosophy, right? In my opinion, that's the best philosophy. I've heard, you know, as I go out and network and I have been in the industry for a good 10 years now, I, I've always hear people regret they they the number one regret i hear from most people is not holding it long enough not holding it forever yeah sure like uh, you might sell it you might say like oh i bought this property for 10 million dollars in back in 2010 or, or 2020 and then i sold it in 2021 for 15 million but guess what now it's now somebody else sold it for 30 million so that's that's the regrets i hear a lot all the time right so i i completely agree with you that's 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 the that's the goal that's the end goal is to hold it if you can but from time to time you might come across cash flow issues you might need more cash you might need more dry powder in this environment we're in it's always good to have more more dry powder right you just don't know what type of uh, deals is going to come across your table so um with with what i'm doing I want to be able to exit some deals so that I have some track record. Uh, not only that, but also have some cash to be able to reinvest, to re-leverage. Um, but yeah, the idea, the idea uh, you know, if, if I don't have a cash flow issue, if, I, if I'm financially free, heck yeah, I buy everything, hold everything forever. <laughs> yeah, love that. Love that. So with that being said, now, when you started... Like, did you learn everything on your own or did you have help from somebody? Like, did someone mentor you Did uh, or was it sort of the, uh, or do you do things the way I do the hard way? Bump your head and say, I'll never do that one again. Let me learn from that. <laughs> yeah, both, both, both. So I've, I've got, I've come across my share of failures and rejections over time, but you know, by putting myself out there, I, I'm able to also attract people that want to help me, you know, and you know, people who's 10 years, 20 years ahead of me you know they've they're, and they're, they're trying to uh build whatever you know it basically create financial freedom amongst themselves and also their friends and family and so now that our mission our values are aligned you know we're we're, we're here to help each other grow and i think that's 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 very important to have mentors i have four mentors i think yeah and you know i I don't bug them, but you know, every once in a while when I get stuck on something, I always reach out and just ask for their opinions and experience. 
uh, what, how they would deal with it. And I think it's always, it's, it's always good because to have that, um, because it's going to help you compress time frame, right? You know, Correct. you can learn from other people's mistake. True. Not all mentors are the same. So how do you come to the conclusion of who you should uh, listen to and who you shouldn't listen to? Like, do you have a certain criteria or a certain thing you look for? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess, again, just you have to go back to just, I think that I, I know I talked about this a lot, but you have to find someone that shares the same mission and value as you do, right? Um, like my mission is to help people, right? Like that that's always been from the from the beginning. I want to be able to, like my Formosa, our, our mission is to educate and bring value in the form of syndication because in my opinion, it's safest, fastest track to reach that reality of financial freedom. Um, my vision, though, is to make sure that everyone who is part of Formosa Investing will improve their financial life tenfold. So they don't have they can focus on reaching their dreams and not their next paycheck. And I think um, if they understand where, where I'm coming from and they kind of their soul on the idea and that's who they are and they see a little bit of themselves in me. Or the other way around, they see they see a little bit of me in themselves. Then that's what prompt them to want to help, reach out to help me, right? And I I, I I'm beginning to see that trend too, as I, you know, educate the next generation. You know, people who want to learn, who who's trying to get into the real estate game, who's never bought a property. I realize that I want to help people that I resonate with. You know, I I'm able to relate to. That I'm able to uh, be able to, you know, I, I, f I feel like, okay, this guy or this girl might share that same mission and, and they, they, they're, 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 they're out here. They're putting themselves out here to want to help more people, not just themselves. Correct. And that's, that's, that's what I look for. Makes sense. So in light of time, I've got about two, three questions left. Um, one of them is going to be, what would you, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in? getting into real estate investing they may be going through a hard time right now but they have that vision of becoming that real estate investor they don't know where to start and they're maybe a little scared and don't know what things they should be looking for what advice would that be well i mean it's you know, i'm pretty sure they've heard of this before but take action you know and i think what what has to happen before you take action though if you're not comfortable doing that yet you just have to educate yourself, right? You just don't know enough for you to be comfort comfortable and confident enough to want to take that next step, the first step, right? Um, for me, I, I'll tell you a little bit like about where how I was laid off and that, that kind of triggered me to, to want to invest in real estate because I, I realized I can't rely on other people or, this, the concept of switching from a W-2 employee to become an entrepreneur, right? I had to, there, there, there was just a lot of these uh, things that, that, that bothered me, you know, like I don't want it to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to rely on other people. And that's what triggered me to want to take that next step, the action, right? So that's a little bit about how I deal with it. But I realized back then I didn't take the I didn't want to just become an entrepreneur because I was I was not educated enough. I didn't 
nowadays there's no excuse to not, to not be educated. You got books, you got podcasts, you got YouTube. Information is everywhere. You got Chat GBT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so there is no absolutely no excuse for you not to be educated. And once you're educated, you're gonna hit a plateau where I'm like, okay, I know pretty much everything I need to know. What's next, right? And that's yeah. that's 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 what it is at the end of the day. It's just take more action. Second last question, but not you know the least. <laughs> How do you know you've had a successful day? If I'm able to keep up with my good habits, which is wake up early in the morning, uh, do my one hour of reading, one hour ex of exercise, and uh, and go about my day. <laughs> And nice. that, that includes on weekends too, which is very difficult when you have other things planned. True enough. Lots of distractions out there. <laughs> so lastly, but not least, how do people find you? They can uh, check out my website, formosainvesting.com. Uh, I wrote a short 20-page ebook. talks about the mistakes I learned as a real estate investor so you don't have to make them. Um, and they can also connect with me on social media links, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Formosa Investing. Fantastic. Jim, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. It's been great. If you like what you saw and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.